Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Are you frustrated about setbacks and challenges that are getting in the way of your dreams? Our guest today will reveal the secret to turning these obstacles into opportunities. Meet Tiffany Potesta, a trailblazing leader in the finance industry whose life and career is a testament to the transformative power of gratitude. With limited resources and no college degree, Tiffany built a successful career on Wall Street simply by leveraging her insatiable curiosity and love of math. Her journey reflects the indomitable human spirit and the will to survive and thrive. Throughout the episode, Tiffany emphasizes the importance of focusing on yourself and the contributions you can make rather than comparing yourself to others. She stresses the value of being respected rather than just being liked. Tiffany also provides practical advice on decision-making, embracing curiosity, and overcoming the fear of failure. Tiffany shares a story of how she emerged from the depths of darkness with newfound strength and determination. But what exactly happened that changed the course of her existence? Stay tuned as we unravel the extraordinary tale of resilience that will inspire you to embrace life's unexpected surprises. This episode is a must-listen for anyone seeking personal and professional growth. Brace yourself for a story that will leave you in awe. Visit GoBeyondBearers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Tiffany. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the Beyond Bearers podcast. I'm so, so, so excited to have you here. I've been totally counting down to our conversation because it's been such a joy getting to know you. And I can't wait for our audience to get to know you as well. Uh, Thank you so much, Nikki. It's an honor to be part of this Beyond Barriers podcast. Awesome. Well, let's uh, start at the beginning. Um, You know, uh, you have just such an incredible career journey and you've accomplished so much. Uh, But let's go back in time. Tell our audience about sort of a formative moment in your life that has driven you and shaped your life and career. Yeah, it's a great question. I um, I guess if I were to say kind of where my story begins, it begins in 1999, which is not nearly where my age actually sits, but it begins in 99 because, you know, I was I was going to school, I was going to college, I had to pay for it myself. So I take kind of fits and starts when I could accumulate the money to go back to school. And uh, I had just gotten enough money to go and participate in the next semester when I had a really, really bad car accident. Um, so I broke ton of bones in my body. My heart stopped. Mm. Um, I was in a wheelchair for several months. I was in a walker for several months after that. And what happened for me then, which I think is probably the most important baseline of my existence in my career today, is that I built this really incredible power center of gratitude. Right? Mm. Gratitude, it, to me, is like the driving force of everything that you're going to do because what stands on top of that is humility and integrity and grace. And it really helps you understand that that is the key to a worthwhile existence to be grateful for what you have in front of you. Um, I didn't in follow on to that, you know, several months of recovery. I didn't go back to college. I never did. So I don't have a college degree. Um, But I took a really 
unusual risk where someone said to me, hey, you know, you like math and maybe you'd be really good on Wall Street. So I gave up everything that I had. I was in Alabama at the time and I moved up here to live in somebody's basement um, and for rent, I cleaned their house. And yeah, (laughs) definitely, definitely a different beginning. Um, But what I found through all of that is that by maintaining that, that baseline of gratitude, um, I was able to be happy and enthusiastic and really curious about what the future was going to hold for me, right? Because I don't come from Mm -hmm. that. I wanted to get my doctorate degree in virology, had nothing to do whatsoever with finance. And I discovered, and I live by this premise that you are only bound by the limits of your own curiosity. And so Mm. for me, everything I do is asking questions. And by asking questions, I'm able to extrapolate so much information that kind of guides the direction of travel for, you know, for my life and my career. Wow. I'm speechless. Uh, That was just so inspiring. And uh, the tenacity and resilience to overcome such a huge setback um, and to come out of it with tremendous gratitude and the life force to conquer anything in front of you really puts everything into perspective. Um, What was that like in those um, early days when you did not have a college degree and you're here in New York City on working on Wall Street surrounded by people with Ivy League degrees and um, probably a lot of wealth and power and all of that um, and the contrast with your situation at that time. What was that like for you in, in sort of still owning your power? Yeah, it's a great question. It was incredibly intimidating and I won't pretend otherwise, right? You know, you kind of ask yourself, do I belong here? Am I going to be able to Mm -hmm. make it here? Um, Is this a place for me? Can I compete? Uh, Am I worthy of the role that I have? And of course, you know, I started out really junior, but even that, you're not sure if that's the place where you Mm -hmm. should be. And so I took a page from the book that I had when I had the car accident. And it's it's a pretty prevailing theme in my life, which is that you can't spend your time worrying about all these external factors because they aren't yours, right? Mm. The factors I have to worry about are the ones that are, are mine, specifically Tiffany. And so I applied the thesis of, you know, focus on where you are and focus on what you can do and not what everyone else around you is doing and try to be great at what you can be great at. And that, mm-hmm. you know, that kind, of, that kind of means one foot in front of the other, right? I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the background of all of these people. So, what is it that Tiffany has to do to just think about how to make herself better, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then, you know, along the spectrum of that, then how can I contribute more and more as I do those different things? And it really is one step, one step, one step. You know, we, we spend mm-hmm. so much time focusing on the goal that we miss mm-hmm. the fact that to get to the goal, you still have to go through, you know, one to 10 to get there. And so right. I just, I focus on one to two and then two to three. Um, and that, that makes a big difference because you, you, you can, you can be proud of yourself. You can be proud of your accomplishments along the way in tiny steps and then look back mm-hmm. and be, be really proud in its aggregate. Yeah. And uh, being able to keep that perspective of not um, how far you have to go, but how far you've come also helps to keep that motivation going because I would imagine like many of us that were on the outside of every inner circle, when you don't have access to those privileged relationships or resources, you have to work twice as hard to go half as far. Um, So I would imagine that that was uh, something that you two might have struggled with. And and in that, the motivation to keep at it, no matter what 
uh, the immediate results might be is so critical. Yes, it is. I, um, I figured that, you know, in business, especially as women, right, in business, you're always going to face these different, these different milestones in your career that are going to define you as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're raised or we're taught to believe that the most important thing for you is to be liked. Mm. we strive for that, right? It's an important yeah. thing for us to do. We want that kind of human relationship and engagement. But the reality is that particularly in business, liked is wonderful and it's, an, it's a great thing to have, but respect, it actually carries so much more currency and it's so much more valuable because res- to be respected by the people around you, no matter what your ability of contribution is at any given point in time, you can be respected because you're striving to learn or you could be mm-hmm. respected you know, because of your efficacy. But if you focus on that, what are you going to really focus on? Well, you're going to focus on high integrity. You're going to focus on contribution. You're going to focus on team. You're going to focus on thinking outside of the box, driving with Mm -hmm. curiosity. You're going to ask questions. You're going to engage people to get to the end result. Mm -hmm. The outcome of that might mean that along the way, you could make some decisions that not everybody's going to like. But if you built your Mm -hmm. whole world around being liked, then you didn't Mm -hmm. build anything around respect. So how are you going to make that journey, you know, with people along the way for you? So I, you know, I really, I really spend a lot of time thinking about, thinking about, you know, myself and my contribution to the business in the right way and not thinking about the need to be liked so much um, because mm-hmm. that, that can cause you to make decisions that may not be the right ones. Did it, uh, how did that impact you though in moments where perhaps you made a decision that uh, was the right thing to do, but uh, certainly did not make you popular? Uh, it, it's, you know, one thing to understand the uh, intellectual aspect of this, but there is a part of us that feels isolated when we're kind of thrown outside of the circle, right? Because we're not yeah. like, so what, what helped you cope with that or overcome that? Sure. And, and it's interesting that you bring that up because that can happen to you at so many moments where you're not even making a decision. Like you get promoted mm-hmm. and then the people that were your peers are not so happy with you and now they mm-hmm. have to report into you. So how do you, how do you work through all of that? I, um, I recognize the fact, I, I, I recognize the fact that that's a real possibility anytime you make a decision that is a difficult decision to make. And I recognize that anytime that you may take on more responsibility that impacts other people. But the, the truth is that as you're making decisions and you're thinking about the business, I'm not thinking about them just in the context of the one or two or three or five people mm-hmm. that I like and that like me. Mm-hmm. Thinking about it in the context of my responsibility to the entire organization and all of the people with whom I work with, that any decision mm-hmm. I might make directly or indirectly impacts them. So my model is typically to say, okay, these are the risks that I want to take, but what is the risk to not taking them? So what is mm-hmm. the risk of status quo? And, and, and when you start working through those things and really unpacking, you know, what it is that you're trying to achieve and why this is the direction that you need to take, you can get a lot mm-hmm. more comfortable with the fact that you might have some unfriendly impact. Mm-hmm. But over time, your belief says the broader impact to the business is going to be more powerful. And hopefully, when that bears itself out, I'll have the respect from the crew that didn't like that first decision, and they can come along the journey. The yeah. journey. That's a fantastic framework that uh, I think people listening to this episode uh, would really uh, find valuable in implementing because we often hear, particularly from women that we work with, about this fear of rejection, the fear of 
doing something that makes them unpopular or hurting someone else's feelings. So avoiding the hard conversations or the tough feedback and things like that. Um, but keeping that perspective in mind that not only are you actually not creating value for the larger organization, but you're also not earning respect by making those choices. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. Speaking of decision-making, you know, the nature of your role and a lot of things you do entail high risk, big impact decisions. Um, is there a specific framework, both for business and personal that you have found very useful in terms of thinking about decision making and particularly about timely decisions? You know, when we think about what helps someone advance and keep going further faster, um, it inertia and inaction often gets in the way. It's not even doing the wrong thing. It's doing nothing that is more harmful. And part of the reason there's an action is feeling torn about, well, should I do this or that? And then you end up doing neither. Um, how have you navigated those kind of situations? Yeah, I am. Um, so again, you know, I'm a very curious person. So I ask a lot of questions. My, my mother likes to say that my first word was why. It wasn't you know, <laughs> <laughs> and probably everyone who works with me would say that I'm exhausting in my constant questioning, but, but I'm not questioning for any reason other than I'm trying to understand and see as much yeah. as I can of the landscape um, in partnership yeah. with my colleagues and my peers to kind of drive the best outcome that you can have. Because you can get to the yeah. same place a lot of different ways. We're just looking for the most efficient and most effective way. Um, but you're right. I mean, the challenge with, with inertia is that status quo is not going to work or else you wouldn't even be questioning the opportunity to yeah. do something different because you know something's gone sideways. And the, the fear that we always have is that we're going to fail, right? And so, mm. and so oftentimes it's the fear of failure that actually creates the inability for us to move forward. And I think that, you know, that's a limiting belief because you, you have a fear in, in that and then you self-limit by saying, well, this is going to fail. So I'm not 100% sure in that. And I feel like, you know, whatever belief system you have becomes true at the point to which you stop challenging it. Yeah. Um, and that, that's where you kind of set your line of, well, this is now the belief system that I have. And I think, I think the, the way that you continue to move forward is to, is to recognize the fact that you don't have to build Rome in a day, right? You know, the idea <laughs> yeah. behind I'm trying to get here is, is baby steps. You know, I was a, I was a mountaineer um, mm -hmm. many, many years ago before I had kids, right? And, uh, and the thing about, you know, mountaineering is that, you know, okay, I'm trying to go four vertical miles into the sky over mm -hmm. a period of a couple of weeks, right? So that's your goal. But if you think about that goal all the time, you're going to miss a ton of things along the way. You could fall mm. off the mountain. A lot of things can happen. And, and you're going to get to this point, which is very much like the complexity and the, and the fear around decision making. You're going to get to this inflection point where every step, and I sometimes wonder why I used to do this, but where every step is painful, it's uncomfortable, you can't breathe, and your mind, right? And this is where this is where we all go sideways. The power of our mind is telling mm -hmm. us you can't, you can't do it. There's no answer. You can't do it. Stop, stop. But then you have another voice that says, one more step. One more step. Mm, just and, and one more step. One more step, right? And and just and that's the challenge. Curious. Like, can I do it? Can I take one more step? What's the what what is within mm -hmm. me? And that's, you know, the race is long and in the end it's with yourself. So if you take that concept and you apply it to business, 
and you talk Mm -hmm. about taking risks, well, the risk isn't this second. The risk bears itself out over time. So you don't have to have all the answers today. What you have to say is we need to go there. And I think, you know, if I take step one, I'm going to be on the pathway to there. And then, and then the question you ask is, how am I going to measure whether or not that's effective? And then all you do yeah. is just wrap the measurement around step one. And then you have step two and then you have step three. And that's, yeah. kind of the way, that's kind of the way that we get there. Like every once in a while, I do a massive change. It can mm-hmm. happen. Um, I don't like to use the word change. I like to use the word evolution. It's more comfortable for people because change is scary. Mm-hmm. But evolution yeah. is just the next step of what I've already done. Yeah. And, um, and listen, you, there's never a moment where I walk out of something thinking I have nailed this, you always, always go back to the basis of, did I get it right? What did mm. I do? I think it's healthy. It's healthy yeah. to, ha- to have fears, right? When you have fears, you have compassion. If you have compassion, you're a good leader and you're a good partner. So you know, mm. never, discount, never discount all of those things because they're amazing drivers. Well, the voice you described, right? The voice on one side that says, you can't do it. You don't have it in you. You're too tired. What if you fail? And then there's the other voice that says, all it is, is just one tiny little baby step. And you've already done that. So you can do it again. Um, really sort of describes that moment of self doubt that we face so often. And, um, <clears throat> you know, one of the questions that we ask for uh, our members that uh, are joining the Beyond Barriers Accelerator at the start of the experience, um, one of the questions we ask them is, what are you looking to shed, you know, during this journey? And almost 100% of the time, and this is globally across every industry, every career stage, we hear the same exact answer, self-doubt. And um, this is from incredibly successful, high-performing women that have achieved a lot. And this is from campus all the way to the C-suite, and we get the same answer. And on one hand, it's sort of like, okay, well, we know that's the problem, so you can solve it. On the other hand, it's incredibly sad that despite all the achievements, that is the dark cloud that's still hanging over people's heads. Um, what, you know, in the way you have approached some pretty daunting circumstances, um, clearly there might have been many moments where you too face self-doubt. Sure. What has helped you sort of turn off that voice and leverage a different one because it's in the moment that you have yeah. to do something because otherwise it's just there and you get inertia due to it. I reframe it. So, you know, I have self-doubt all the time, but the way that I tend to think about it is I'm doubting the direction I'm going. So maybe what it means is I need to ask a few more questions to get more comfortable with what I'm thinking. Mm. And so, you know, you get, life is, you know, you go through that, that, that study that talks to you about what you know, right? And there's what you know, you know, and it's super tiny. And there's what you know, you don't know, and it's super tiny. And then there's what you don't know, you don't know. And that is massive. Mm -hmm. So I I realize that I am always solving for what I don't know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's the pool, the dark pool that makes us self-doubt. Because if we knew, we Mm -hmm. would have no doubt, right? So all you're trying to do is pick up a few more, you know, inches inside of that, which don't know you don't know, so that you can get a little bit more comfortable with more information to go the direction that you want to go. I also, I also know that like, I'm not everything, right? I have strengths mm-hmm. and I have weaknesses and that's okay. And mm-hmm. I can go to lots of people and be really vulnerable about what my weaknesses are and mm-hmm. their strengths will complement what my strength is. And then maybe we get an even more informed picture. I'm not an island. I'm doing this with a lot of people. 
And mm-hmm. the more people I can socialize something with and get their perspective on, it doesn't mean I'm going to agree. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but knowledge is power. So mm-hmm. my, my, my view is that the more knowledge I gain, the more curious I am, the more I ask who, what, when, where, why, and how, the more comfortable I can be in the direction that I want to go to the best of my ability. But we have to stop believing as, as women that in order for us to feel like we, we have permission to succeed, in order for us to feel yeah. like we can be a success, that we have to know everything and eradicate doubt. Doubt is healthy because mm-hmm. doubt makes us strive to do better. And so yeah. I, think, I think we need to reframe that for ourselves and not make it a weakness, but my God, make it a strength. Yeah. When in doubt, get curious. That's right. When in doubt, get <laughs> curious. That's right. <laughs> Perfect line. When in doubt, get yeah. curious. Love it. Yeah, because it just tells you there's something more you need to discover. And if you get curious, you'll figure it out or you'll find the person with the answers. You don't have to have the answers yourself, but you'll figure out a way forward. So, um, you know, uh, as someone who's a highly accomplished leader um, and having built great teams, what are some of the attributes that you particularly look for that has been sort of your formula, if you will, you know, it's, it's not about what you see on the resume or past experience or all the, um, you know, fancy brand names that they've worked with, but you must have something that is your, the X factor that you look for. What is that? That is an excellent question. Um, I think that the way that I, so you're right. I actually don't look at college education. I don't look at where you worked at before. I'm looking at you because you past per- I'm, I'm an investment, so past performance is not indicative of future results. <laughs> and, and if I do that, I actually limit you in my own mind. So those things are not really important to me. What's important to me is figuring out, you know, if I'm bringing you into a team, if I'm bringing you, you know, as a reporter into my teams, um, what is it that you have that I don't have in the other people within the group? And so mm-hmm. where are you going to add and start, you know, filling in that circle of what mm-hmm. the business is? We can teach you stuff, right? That's the yeah. easy easy to teach you. Um, But what do you have that is uniquely yours? So, so incidentally, I, I, you know, I have a, I have a situation, I've had a situation where I hired somebody who was incredibly negative about everything. And on the surface Mm -hmm. of that, you think, why in the heck would you actually do that? But the truth is that sometimes you need to have somebody who tells you that it's not going to work and it's never going to work because that becomes your guiding light of what are they seeing that I'm not seeing and how important Mm. is that? And when you understand and you can explain to a group, the value proposition of having someone who doesn't just jump on board all the time and drink your Kool-Aid, it Mm -hmm. really helps you check your premise and check your gut to go the right way directionally. So I look for someone to have a spark of enthusiasm, even if you're enthusiastic to say it won't work, (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of different ways where you can, you know, harness the power of what lights somebody up. And I, I do think that I, um, one of the things that is really important for me as, as a person, as well as for teams, is to pay attention to micro moments. And mm. so what do I mean by a micro moment? So, you know, oftentimes we have an incredible passion for something. And if you're passionate about something, usually it's going to become your strength. But you don't understand how it can translate into different aspects of your life. And that translation is really, really, really important. So if you think about the fact that, you know, I wanted to be a scientist by virtue of that, what do I love? I love research. So Mm. I love research and I love to think if something can be challenged, can it be done differently? Can you solve a puzzle, right? Like solve puzzles. Well, you can pull that into anything, right? You just have to figure out how to find it. And so I pay a lot of attention to people around when do they, when no one is looking, when do they go that extra mile and what was it and what was the spark in it that actually set that off? Because you can harness the power of that within a group Mm -hmm. 
and really carry it forward. And I did it from my own career, right? I'm mm-hmm. very curious because of what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so that curiosity drives me to build businesses and find solutions and challenge the status quo. And so I think, I think we as people need to pay much more attention and women in particular, because we oftentimes let the outside world define us. You've got to define mm. you. And you find your micro moment, yeah. build off of that, you'll have success. Wow, there's so much goodness packed into that one response. I want to unpack a few things that I think will be great call-outs for our audience. So uh, first off, it sounds like as you, you know, if you're a leader who's thinking about uh, building this high-performing team, Think of it in terms of the diversity that makes the collective more powerful and effective. So even in your example, Tiffany, about someone who may be very negative, but they're adding a a level of perspective that over-optimism might miss out on. Um, So diversity really matters and that kind of diversity of perspectives really matters. Um, I've often thought of it like a great team is like casting in a movie. You know, you want to figure out like the different characters and and different styles and things like that. But ultimately, it's about what unlocks that magic that becomes unstoppable. Um, The other thing you called out was the micro moments. And it's a little bit like if you pay attention to the habits, you're going to know what kind of result is bound to come. But they're also transferable, right? So if, if you are someone who loves to... Uh, solve problems or your love to work with people and help them. There might be different applications of that. And instead of feeling siloed to say, well, this is the only industry I know, this is the only job type I've had, you might be surprised of how you can take the things you've done and that are natural passions, curiosity, and strengths and apply it in a whole different context and get terrific results. Uh, But being able to identify that is is the self-awareness we must have. But from there comes a challenge, Tiffany, that you know we often observe is communicating your value. It's one thing to know it, but the struggle of not knowing how to articulate your unique value proposition and to really own it in a way where you can, you're not just introducing yourself as a, hey, this is my name and this is my title. How can you actually describe what you really do and the value you bring to the table? What what guidance would you give to uh, people when they're struggling with that and why it's so critical? Yeah, I, I, think, I think in the first instance, you have to know yourself, right? Know mm-hmm. yourself and know yourself incredibly well. Um, that's mm-hmm. the key, right? And the person you spend most time with in your life is you. And yeah. so <laughs> no one's going to know you better than you. And the reason I say that's really important is because if you, if you know yourself, you can root yourself as a tree. And this is, I, actually, sometimes when I'm going into meetings, I visualize being a rooted tree around what I need to talk about and what I need to do. And then kind of palm trees because they're flexible because the wind is going to blow you around. But, but I do think that if you can root yourself in what you are and what you are not, and that's also a really important part of that. And you can identify what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, but you really own your strengths and those weaknesses, you will communicate that way naturally because your mm-hmm. natural default is going to be to where you're strong. But if you're unsure, mm-hmm. you're unsure your communication is going to be one where you're seeking acceptance, you're seeking approval, and you're seeking someone to tell you what you're good at. But when you're confident and you know, mm-hmm. that just comes from you. It exudes from you and it exudes with passion because you're going to have mm-hmm. more opinions about things because you're going to know what your strength is. You're going to mm-hmm. have more ideas around execution or challenging the status quo or even creating, you know, greater efficiencies or 
symmetry, whatever it could be, right? You're going to automatically do it because you know it's a skill set that you have. And then people mm-hmm. are going to be able to understand that. It's quite hard to walk into a room and walk up to someone and sort of, you know, outline your value proposition when you have, when, when you're not actually putting it in the context of what the value mm-hmm. is. Um, yeah. But I, I have seen and I have met with some incredible people in my career where I understood immediately what was valuable because they started talking in a certain way and I was able to pull it out and say, oh, that's really incredible, right? They have a real vision on that. Yeah. And then you think about that. So the, again, I, th- I think the key to that is, is understanding that you have to define you and you cannot let other people define you. And don't be afraid to be proud yeah. of your strengths. Like we're taught to be humble and humility should always exist within you, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you can't highlight your strengths and be comfortable leaning into them. There's a big difference between owning that and being arrogant. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. Simply advocating for yourself or communicating your value does not make you arrogant or egotistical. It is simply expressing how you can actually help other people. You know, yeah. it, much like a brand, if you're able to express, this is what I'm great at doing that is going to create value for you. It's not about, you know, being uh, bragging about yourself. It's actually telling other people how they can, uh, you know, what value provide for them. That's right. You know, and you think of it as, as, as an executive of a firm, you know, when somebody walks up to me and says, hey, you know, they introduce themselves. We're talking a little bit about what they do. And they say, you know, hey, I was thinking about, you know, this thing that we're trying to solve for. And I had this idea around X. You're telling me mm-hmm. right there what your value is. You don't have to tell mm-hmm. me your value with a word. You're telling yeah. me because you've thought about something. You are adding value to my time and to the business and for yourself. So now mm-hmm. I know how to frame you. And that's really the way to do it. You know, you, yeah. can, you can tell your story and the idea of execution. Yeah. Speaking of adding value to other people, um, it's also the foundation of how great relationships are built, right? Yeah. Uh, you give before you think about taking. Uh, and if you just focus on giving, it all works out and builds really authentic relationships. As someone whose uh, career, I'm sure, has been impacted by powerful relationships and it's, uh, you know, sort of the world you live in, um, what specific tangible techniques or recommendations would you have for someone, particularly more early stage? You know, when you're early stage, you don't have the benefit of years of experience in the workforce that you've built this network and all of that. And there's also a level of fear and intimidation about, well, how can I reach out to someone high up there? What would I have to say to them? How did you do that early in your career or what would you guide someone to do now? Yeah, so I, I have a, <laughs> I have no sense of hierarchy <laughs> that I operate. Um, and, and probably the reason for that is because my whole guiding principle is curiosity. So I'm asking mm-hmm. questions. I'm curious. I don't really yeah. think about it in the context of who you are versus who I am. I'm just trying to get information. Yeah. So I don't think of it that way. But, but what I would say is that, you know, first of all, never, ever, ever have fear about speaking to somebody more senior within an organization because our job over time is to figure out who the next leaders are within an organization. We can't do that if we don't engage with you. Like that's mission critical to our ambition um, in the first instance. And the second, we're always seeking people that can grow within the business. And if we don't get to know you, we don't get to do that. Um, But it is intimidating to do to reach out, but just reach out. We, people love to be asked questions. I like, I like to ask a lot of questions because I'm curious. Yeah. 
but people love to be asked questions as well about, you know, how did you get where you got? What does your career look like? What is your business like? I don't understand this. Can I have some time to learn about it? It is our responsibility. It's our imperative as mm-hmm. leaders of a business to engage with everybody within an organization because all people have value. All people don't care yeah. what you do in a company. The company will not be as successful if the role that you're in isn't occupied, else the role wouldn't exist. And so, you know, I think, I think being comfortable, um, you can be nervous. We totally expect that that's going to happen, right? You can be nervous, but be unafraid and unabashed about asking questions. Let us know that you're there. Mm-hmm. Let us know that you're curious. Let us know that you want to grow and that you have an ambition. There is nothing yeah. wrong with yeah. that. You know, yeah. What's the worst yeah. that's going to happen? The, the, the worst that's going to happen is your fear that we're going to walk out thinking that was a waste of my time or that has never happened in my entire career. I have never yeah. walked out of a meeting with anybody saying that was a waste. It's never happened. Yeah. I'm always yeah. learning something. Well, and it's also, uh, you know, people love sharing their own stories and talking about and parting the wisdom. It's a way we pay it forward. So if you're early in your career and you're asking someone senior about their experience or their guidance, it, it's it's something they love doing anyway. Sure. And, and the worst case, they're busy in the moment and might say, I can't do it right now, but can we do it another time? And, and that's great too. So and another you thing, don't, you don't ask, you don't get. You don't ask, you don't get. I mean, and even uh, you could be struggling with, you know, a challenge in the office, you know, around something that you're working on and you could ask how we've solved other problems or what would our guidance be? You know, you're right. People love to impart wisdom. Yeah. Or what we perceive to be wisdom. That may not be. <laughs> Our thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Um, with so much that uh, you have on your plate and a busy career and as a mom, uh, how do you stay grounded? How do you, um, you know, what makes it work for you? Because there's no specific formula for everybody. Um, but what's your philosophy of making it work for you? Yeah, so I stay grounded by remembering what I come from. You know, I come mm. from very humble beginnings. I had a couple of challenges along the way. And I also remember that I started in this business the same way everybody else who's coming up in this business started, period. We all came through the same doors. We had the same fears. We had the same challenges. I remember that every single day. Um, mm. I spend a lot of time trying to be on the other side of the conversation. So when someone's talking to me, I want to get in their shoes. I want to do the best I can to perceive what they see, um, perceive how they're feeling, perceive how they're taking something in because perception is truth to the perceiver. So for us to, you know, fix things or solve things going forward, I kind of have an obligation to do that, but it really, it keeps me compassionate, right? It keeps Mm. me in the right place. Um, In terms of, in terms of balancing, you know, life and work with, you know, with my kids, um, I think of it as work-life integration. I am I have the luxury of working for a firm that understands probably the most important thing that we should all remember, which is that people are the ethical and timeless imperative. And so they really embrace family mm-hmm. and that family comes first. Because if you're not taking care of that, then you're not bringing your A-game, you know, to the business. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I um, I definitely have the luxury of being able to do that. I practice a lot of thankfulness. Listen, when I get home, and I'm with my family, my phone is off. That's it. So when they go to bed, then I can get back online and I can do all of that. But, you know, focused couple of hours is worth more than, you know, 14 hours not focused. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I really make that, I really make that a practice to, uh, to get it right. Do I think I get it right all the time? Absolutely not. Do I feel guilty quite often every single day? Um, and then I try to remind myself that, you know, you do the best you can with what you have. And if you're lucky and you can think about, 
your life in a different way, then it's about all the things you achieve in the arc of your life, not what you're achieving in the moment of your life. And I have talked mm-hmm. about this before, which is that we want to have it all. We want to be the best, right? We want to be the best of everything. And you can be, mm-hmm. but not all at the same time. So mm-hmm. you really have to figure out how to embrace and have compassion for yourself and be grateful for, you know, for your journey and integrate that into, into your life the right way. That's really important. Yeah. I, I love your point about self-compassion. You know, it's, uh, it's patience and forgiveness and grace uh, that we afford other people, but often forget to do it for ourselves. And exactly. the negative self-talk and the berating yourself for dropping the ball or not being there for someone else or, you know, not having enough energy and all of that. It's um, uh, if we simply start and end each day with compassion and patience, um, yep. we would live healthier lives. It's been said to for sure. Yeah. Um, you talked a lot about curiosity and how it's been such a driving force throughout your life. What are you most curious about when you look way out into the future? What is it about the future that most captivates your, that is most captivating your curiosity right now? In the context of my business or everything. <laughs> I'm general. curious. There's no end to where I am curious. Um, I think probably, well, listen, a lot of different things, right? You know, I think a lot about, you know, the arc of our business and are we going to achieve our ambition and is the ambition the right one um, and whether or not we're positioned that way correctly. I'm, I, I think a lot about um, our political landscape and what does that actually look like? I think a lot, a lot about our economic landscape and what does that look like and what outcomes do I think, you know, could actually you know, come to bear based on where we are in sort of a cycle. Um, you know, it's important for us to think about that stuff, you know, geopolitical issues, macroeconomic mm-hmm. factors, all of those things are really important. Um, there is not one thing that, well, there's not really one thing out there that would necessarily stand out more than the other because they're all interconnected, right? Yeah. All of the things mm-hmm. that I try to think about are, are interconnected, but I, I'm interested, right? I'm interested in history and history repeats itself. So sort of where are we in the cycle of history mm-hmm. repetition and what do those outcomes look like? And then how do I think about, you know, planning for those outcomes? You know, what do those outcomes mean to me as an individual, us as a society, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that framework? I think I think about that stuff a lot. And then, of course, I have to because in the context of what I do, you know, yeah. those, those things matter. And it's, uh, it's so powerful when uh, we create space for ourselves to zoom in and zoom out. And the patterns we're able to see and the trends we're able to forecast open up opportunities, both personal and business, in ways we might have missed out on. Um, And and being able to do both, like doing a great job at what you're doing right now, but also running another race and being able to zoom out and look backward, forward, and around you. I think that's right. I mean, I think think it's easy to discount that thinking is a muscle. And Mm -hmm. so the more you try to explore different things and understand different things and break down systems and reconstruct them and figure out, you know, the end of a movie, for example, <laughs> the more you do that, the more you learn and the more you learn, the more you build on your ability to actually achieve, you know, goals that you may set for yeah. yourself in your career personally. Yeah. Well, I hope that's a practice that people listening are able to incorporate uh, in their lives. And uh, I always recommend you know, people create actual time on the calendar for think time because like you said it's not a muscle but in order for it to become a muscle like anything else in our lives you got to invest time in it and you can't invest time if it's not on your calendar and it's just 
something you think you'll get to somehow. Uh, but it, that discipline, just like writing or speaking and all of that, if you have the discipline of think time and you ponder over questions that you may not, that may not cross your mind in everyday work, uh, illuminates your perspective in ways that create value all around. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to the lightning round. Oh, yeah. um, uh, this is going to be fun. So I've got five questions to ask you, and we'll go through them in rapid fire. So the first question is: What book has greatly influenced you? Oh, uh, or what book? <laughs> I read some weird books, but you know, <laughs> probably, you know, probably my favorite book and, and, and I would probably say it influenced me is, is, it's going to sound like a crazy one, but it's called the coming plague and the coming plague is a thousand pages of the history of viruses, which would make sense given where I started with what yeah. I wanted to do. And it, it kind of goes through what they did and then how they went out and how they solved for it and they found a cure and it's really incredible. Um, and the reason it's incredible to me is not because it's necessarily specific to viruses, although I love that, um, but because it teaches you how to think with a research-oriented mind, right? Like, how did, they, mm -hmm. how did they have the patience? What did they look for? How did they know to keep testing these hypotheses to get to an end objective? And that can really help you learn how to think right. in a different way, even though, you know, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange, you know, potentially strange book. It's a great example of micro moments, though, right? Yeah. It's it's problem solving. It's breaking down problems, hypothesis testing, and yeah. research. That's great. <laughs> it, it's a perfect example of what you're doing and what you're built for. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's your favorite inspiring quote or saying? Yeah, the one I use most frequently comes from a country and western song, and uh, it's sometimes you're the windshield and sometimes you're the bug. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty self-explanatory, but I like it because you know sometimes you're ahead and sometimes you're behind, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, love that. I never heard that one before. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> Listen to more country music. <laughs> yeah. What is one word you'd use to describe yourself? Honest. Mm, love that. It's beautiful. Um, what is a change, whether it's a habit or an action, something that you implemented that made your life better? Yeah, I think um, active listening mm. and active listening has been really important because it allows me to stop thinking about what I'm trying to achieve in a discussion and really understand what the person on the other side of me is trying to say. And that actually helps me fill the what I don't know, I don't know bucket and mm -hmm. keeps it real, um, allows me to integrate different perspectives and again, you know, gives you a real framework for, for compassion and humility and grace and partnership and better mm. communication. It was probably the single most important thing I have ever done. Um, I think it's so evident from our conversation, your active listening skills and your ability to be really present um, and the power it has on charisma. You know, we often think charisma is how you show up and what you say, but it's actually how we show up for others and how we actively listen to them and make them feel heard. Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. All right, so last question. What power song would you want playing as you walk out onto a stage? Oh, wow. Um, probably Rise Up by Andre Day. Um, I really like that one because you're going to face adversity and you got to get up and you got to yeah. get up and you got to move. So, yeah. yeah. 
it's true to your brand, Tiffany. True, <laughs> true to, to my brand. brand. <laughs> I love that. I kept totally it a common cool. theme. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love this. Well, this has been uh, an absolute delight and honor. Um, there's so much inspiration and wisdom and actionable strategies packed in this episode. I cannot wait for audience to listen, learn, and most importantly, apply it. Um, and we'll be sharing all of this content across the board. So thank you for taking the time to um, do this interview. And we're celebrating your successes uh, and we'll continue to cheer you on. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Nikki, for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.